Welcome to House of Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from this past Sunday. For more information about other messages or events at House of Hope, visit www.ihope.today. Anyway, um, Angela has a word she wants to share with us this morning. As we were worshipping this morning, I saw a vial of perfume, oil, being poured out upon this body. And it wasn't cheap. It was the perfumed oil. And God is pouring out a fragrance on this body of believers. And the oil is for healing, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. For I am preparing you, says the Lord. I am strengthening those areas that you felt weak in. I am binding up your wounds. I'm going to take away your disappointments, your discouragements. And I'm bringing about, says the Lord, a new wind of my spirit that I am blowing over the body of Christ. And I would say, let go of preconceived ideas. For this is a day, says the Lord, when my spirit is bringing fresh anointing. Anointing first to the house, and then it will flow like a river out into the community. But first I bring oil to you, oil to strengthen, oil to encourage. But this is a day, says the Lord, when I am calling out those that will respond to my voice. For all over this land, there's been a cry, we want more of you. And I have heard the cry of my children. I've heard the cry come up. As perfume to me. And that is why I am pouring out upon you. For this is a day when I'm breaking you out of your boxes and I'm bringing fresh revelation to your spirits and your hearts. For the Lord says it will not be the same like it has been in the past. That which I do is a new thing. Not a new thing to me, says the Lord but things you have not seen or heard before. And I would say, break out of the boxes. Break out of the mindsets. And know, says the Lord, this is a day when I'm going to put fresh revelation and understanding in your hearts and your spirits. For would I be less than a faithful father if I did not prepare you, says the Lord? I am preparing my bride. I am preparing a bride without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. For surely I am preparing you, says the Lord, that you might see those things you have cried out for. For you have said, Lord, we want more power. We want to see your glory. 
in an even greater manifestation. And no, says the Lord, I am pouring it down upon this nation. From sea to sea to sea, from the mountaintops, says the Lord. For the presence and the power and the anointing will flow out of the houses, says the Lord. And it will gather together. It will start like streams, then move into mighty rivers. You will flow from one to another. For I am connecting my people who have the same voice, that have the same understanding and the same heart. You are not alone. For surely I am intercepting house to house. I am bringing together the bride in all her glory. No, says the Lord that my spirit is upon this place. My spirit is here. And I see and hear all that you cry out for, says the Lord. And it doesn't go to deaf ears. I hear you, and I am responding. Open your hearts. Open your spirits. And know and know that, that that hunger within you, I am responding to in this day, says the Lord. So we are very privileged this morning um, to have Robert and Angela and Colleen and Ian. Ha! Got it. So um, I had the, um, Deanne and I were at, and Maddie were at Kingsgate Church in Cochrane last weekend. And... Um, Robert and Angela planted that church 40 years ago. And, uh, and 30-something years ago, 30, 1990, I think it was. What year was it? How many years ago was that? 29 years ago. I met Robert. I was in YWAM, and, and we had a tour going through, and we went from Turner Valley to Cochrane. It was our first night of, our, of a tour, and... and um, I had, the night before we left um, to go on the tour, I had a dream. And in this dream, I dreamt of this young lady. And it was not a, it was just a dream. And um, we arrived at, at Kingsgate. It wasn't called Kingsgate then. It was New Life Christian Fellowship. And um, in our meeting, I look out into the audience and I, that I was leading, and I see this girl that was in my dream the night before. And I was like, I was, yeah, and I didn't know what to do with it. I thought, Lord, what is that all about? So I went to Robert, and I said, you know, I, I had this dream last night before we came, and, and this young lady here, I pointed her out, and he's, he's like, well, <laughs> this is what I think. And he says, it's not often the Lord gives you the girl of his dreams, of your dreams, um, but you really need to know what to do with that. And I'm like, I have no idea what to do with that. But I, and it may have, and you're looking at me like, what is the significance of that? I'm like, I have no idea. But it's just the fact that he took the time, and I, as a young man, as a young leader, I, I, I didn't know what to do with some of the stuff the Lord was doing. And he was way more mature than I was. And, and, and it was good. Well, flash forward 29 years. Uh, we were at Bethel, and um, 
few years ago at our leaders' advance. And we met this young couple, and it was actually Colleen and Ian's son and daughter-in-law at one of our breakout sessions. And they were from Cochrane, and we're like, wow, Cochrane's really close to Cranbrook. And, um, and so we got to know Danny and Aaron, and they've been here with their kids a few times, and we've had time with them. And, and, um, and they say, you've got to meet our, our, our senior pastor and his wife are here. And they're from, like, obviously from Cochrane, and they're from Kingsgate. We're from Kingsgate, and I, because I had no idea. And we never did meet. And then another year goes by, and we joined the river. And all of a sudden, we're, we get this email from Matthew Butler saying, hey, Rich told me that you guys are part of the river. I'm part of the river, too, and we're trying to start up the river in Canada. And let's meet. And I was like, okay, so we meet. And we put it all together that we had met with Aaron and Danny, Pauline and Ian's parents, Matthew and Jillian, Robert, and we put all of this together. And we're two houses in different locations running after the same vision. And last Sunday or last, last weekend when we had, um, they had Donna De Silva there. And by the way, for those of you who remember Donna from being here, she says hello. She misses House of Hope. She loves House of Hope. She wants to come back to House of Hope. So we're working on getting her back um, probably next year. Anyway, um, there was a sense of God's presence on Kingsgate. And Robert and I had lunch together with Angela last Saturday, and we were chatting and catching up. And I just felt the Lord say, I want you to extend uh, an invitation to come speak here because they're vacationing up in Kimberley. And I thought, okay, that's great. So that's the longest intro that I've ever done. But there is a wealth, a wealth, there's a well, a deep, deep well that we are, have the opportunity to draw from this morning, from this apostle. And um, our, our lives have crossed so many times that we haven't, like, it's crazy. He, he ran... I don't think literally ran, but walked with and ran with um, um, Keith, Keith Hazel, for those of you who know who that is. And Keith Hazel spoke into my life dramatically as, as a young leader. So there's just so many connections. And so I want you to give a warm House of Hope welcome to Robert as he comes and, and blesses us. And, and Angela, come on up, both of you guys. I just want to introduce us. Um, we've been married 49 years this year, and um, we have children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren. Um, as Pastor Jeff said, we started the church 30, uh, 40 years ago this year. We emigrated um, 40 years ago. The church's 40, 40th birthday next year. And... Um, we gave the church over to Matthew and Julian three years ago, and uh, the Lord's really blessing. And as Pastor Jeff said, the Spirit of God that's in our church is in this church. And you know what? It's not just in two churches. It's, it's spreading all across, and that's why God is raising up the army of God. But what I wanted to share was, and I was just missing. 
Yes. Um, I was just talking, and something that God had laid upon my heart. Um, some of you might be walking through valleys. You know, as Christians, we want the mountaintop experiences. We desire mountaintop experiences. We want the power of God and the presence of God. We want it to be a Yahoo time all the time. But the reality is, we don't learn anything on the mountaintops. We're having such a good time, we don't learn in the same way. We learn in the valleys. We learn patience. We learn perseverance and tenacity. And God's faithfulness, yes. And I just want to encourage those that might be going through a valley right now. I want to tell you I've hated every valley I've walked through. They've not been very nice. But let me tell you, I like what they've made me. Valleys are the place where God molds and shapes you. It's where he brings his heart and his spirit into your life in greater power. And the Lord said to me this morning, just encourage those right now that are walking through a valley. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And sometimes you have to look at what God did to get you through. But God wants to encourage you this morning because he is bringing his might power and presence in an even greater way. But we would be naive if we thought there won't be the valleys. There'll always be the valleys. We can't live on the mountaintops. But what he wants is a mountaintop life, and then we'll go through a valley every now and again. It's more like a heartbeat, right? Some Christians are like this, and that's very erratic. Um, But God wants the heartbeat, Amen. And I want to encourage you this morning. Those that are on the mountaintops, yippee. But those that are in the valleys, be encouraged. Know that God will take you out of the valley and bring you back on level ground. Amen. Amen. Do you mind if I put this in front of me? Helps deflect the stones. So, yeah. <laughs> stone the prophets, you know, so I can kind of walk about behind it and catch my notes as I go along here. But I'm not going to talk about valleys today. We'll just say we're very happy to be with you. You haven't changed a bit in all those years. Um, <laughs> that's right. I'll, t- I'll take that one. <laughs> I keep telling my wife I've still got it, so there you go. But I'm not going to talk about valleys today, but I'll try not to put you in another one, okay? So, <laughs> so that's a, that will be good. But we're very glad. Uh, we, we kind of retired. You never retire in the kingdom, by the way. Uh, but we kind of retired a couple of years ago. Three years my son has been with us, but we just st- stood down two years ago. And uh, where am I going with this? Uh, we, we uh, when Jeff said to me over lunch, do you want to preach? in my church on Sunday, my first response was, well, why don't, don't you want to preach? <laughs> That's true, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, he didn't know how to respond to that one. You know? <laughs> but, but, but 
it's always an honor to be invited to speak to God's people. And uh, all I ask God is to do is make me a blessing, and I hope that he does that today. But how many of you believe that God wants to do great things? And how many of you believe that Jesus, or believe what Jesus said, and said, greater things than these that you see me do, you will do also, because I go to the Father. He says, you ask anything in my name, I will do it, or my Father will do it. You believe that? Well, what I'm going to talk to you about this morning, that won't happen unless you do what I'm going to talk about this morning, okay? Uh, so this is, this is important. But let's, let's read the Scriptures. Think that's a good place to start? We're going to turn to Matthew chapter 14 in your wonderful cell phones, tablets, or I've got a real Bible here. Um, that we can read from. Matthew chapter 14, I'm going to read from verse 22 down to verse 33. Incidentally, Jeff, how long have I got here? Okay, I'll do my best. Verse 22 of Matthew 14. And immediately he made the disciples get into the boat to go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And after he had sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. But the boat was already many stadia away from land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. In the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were frightened, saying, It's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take courage. It is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand, took hold of him, and said to him, Are you of little faith? Why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind stopped. And those who were, were in the boat worshipped him, saying, You are certainly God's Son. Amen. Let's just have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is life to us. And, Father, you call it the living bread. And Lord, we're hungry today that you would feed us on that portion you have for each of us. And I pray, God, that you will give liberty here to my brothers and sisters to hear what you are speaking and to receive what is being said. I pray, Lord, for clarity of thought and speech, that I may make clear those things that you've given to me. Father, I pray also that you will be glorified in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk to you this morning about taking risks. Because I want to tell you that you will never, never experience the fullness of what God wants to do unless you are willing to take risks with God. Now, you notice I didn't say take risks for God? Because when we take risks, we take risks with God. He goes before us. They're risks to us. They're never risks to God. The thing with God is that he just never tells us they're not risks. It's that element of faith that puts one foot on the ground, one foot in the air, and the queasy feeling in your stomach. You know, that's where God takes us with regard to risks. 
And when I think of risks, most people, if I was to say to you, how many of you like to take risks? Well, I see a lot of gray hair here, so we're all going to kind of keep our hands down here. But there's a, here's a hand. There's a brave lady at the back. But we really don't like to take risks. Uh, we like to take risks when we know the, the, or have the assurance of what the end is going to be, right? But that isn't the way God works. Have you ever th- found that out? God never works in the ways that we think. When, when God comes along and asks us to do something or wants us to do something, we usually say, God, will you, will you show us what's going to happen when I do this? And we like to have it fully worked out. I want to tell you, in all my 45 years of walking with God, I have never had God allow me to know what's around the next corner until he wants to reveal it to me. He always puts me in a position where I need to take risks. And I want to tell you, if you want the Holy Spirit to come in fullness in your church, you're going to have to step out into realms of faith that you have never even imagined that God would ask you. And sometimes it puts you in the place where you're the church being talked about in the community. Uh, we've been talked about a lot. You know, we, when we first started the church in Cochran, we were the local cult. And we were the best cult in town, I've got to tell you. But that's <laughs> and, and, and you have to take those risks. Let me just tell you. 40 years ago, 1979, we came to Canada. In the spring of 1979, we'd known the Lord about three years at that point of time in our life. And I was a motor mechanic by trade, and I'm sitting on a wheel fixing some brakes in, in the shop. And as I'm sitting on this wheel, nobody else in the shop, all the other guys were out on road test or doing other things, just me in the shop. And I'm sitting there on the wheel, and I suddenly heard... A voice that said, Robert. Now, I'm thinking, what do you hear? Who's that? Silly. I looked a bit. Couldn't see anyone, so I'm carry on working. Robert. Now I'm thinking, somebody is having me on here. So I got up, walked around the shop, went in all, looking all around all the vehicles inside the pit and under the hoist, and nobody there. And I'm thinking, it must be the service manager. So I went to the service manager's office, and I knocked on his door and went in and said, Les, you're calling me. No. Come on. There's somebody's called me twice in this shop. And uh, it wasn't me. And all the guys are out. Only you were there. So I was uh, walking back, and I'm thinking, Lord, I know somebody in the Bible that had a voice. We were talking about Samuel, you see. As a boy. And I thought, well, if that's you, God, which I was being pretty cynical that God, <laughs> I would actually hear the audible voice of God. And I said, if it's you, I'll just do what Samuel did. So I sat down and I just picked up a couple of tools and I heard the voice, Robert. And my hair went on the back of my neck. And I knew I was having one of those moments. That I've never had one like that before in my life. And I said, yes, Lord, thy servant hears. And he just said these words to me. I want you to go to Canada. I said, what? No answer. 
I want you to go to Canaan. Now, what followed at that moment in time was we were just a couple of kids with a couple of kids. And we wanted to follow God. I knew God was putting a call on my life. But God caused us at that moment in time to take the biggest risk of our whole lives, which was to come to this strange country called Canada. We had never, I'd never been out of the, 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 around the city much where I lived. Never been on to the, to the Europe, Europe anywhere. Just, I hadn't even been to Scotland. And it's probably a good job because Ian comes from there. But they, there you go. And <laughs> he didn't get that. He's turned his ear in and off. It's okay. Uh, but, but the biggest risk that we've ever taken in our lives, we've, talk, we've taken lots of risks, but that was a big risk. And we, we had no house to sell. We were pretty just struggling to get along and start off in life. And from that moment on, our life has been one of taking risks if we want to see God. I don't want to make that a very, very long story. But that wasn't the only time God's come and talked to us about taking risks. As I read through the Scriptures, there is no one who God has ever used that has never had to take a risk. Now, some of us, I see a lot of gray hair in here this morning, and we've joined you. It seems... That we don't want to take risks the older that we get. You know why we don't want to take risks the older we get? We've got more to lose. And sometimes we know what the price is to take the risk. Because there's always a cost involved. And you know what I've found? I'm 69 years old now. The cost is always the same. The price is always the same. It's never, oh, it gets easier to take risks with God. It takes easier to walk in faith. Well, if you know how to do that, and it does get it, come and tell me. Because here I am at 69 years old, and I'm still trying to feel God telling me to take risks for him. So I want to say to you, it doesn't matter what age you are, risk is still involved. And if you want God, you can't have him on your terms. You can't have him uh, just, just the way you want him. Because when God comes, he changes everything. The God who changes not, changes everything. And when he comes into your life, something has to change in you, or you just kind of have to sit in the religious seat and just kind of wait back for heaven. But if you're like me, and you have that heart that says, I want to be on the cutting edge of what God wants to do. How many of you want to be on that? Oh, there's one or two. Is that, is that all we got here? How many of you really want to be on the cutting edge of what God... See, that if you don't respond, I preach longer. So, <laughs> and I want to be on the cutting edge of what God wants to do. And we have this conversation in the car lots these days when we're traveling places, even just to the shops. I want to stay on the cutting edge, Angela. I don't want to get, get retired. I want to get refired in the place where I am right now. I'm not leading the church. I'm not carrying the weight of it. Uh, you can tell my son's carrying the weight of it. You can see it all over his face, you know, but... <laughs> But I, I, I really don't, I don't want that. But I want to be where God is. I want to be in that place where the words that Jesus said, that greater things than the things that we saw him do or see him do through the scriptures, we will do because he's gone to the Father. I'm saying yay and amen. And that means, though, that I have to take my step 
I have to take my place wherever I am in life and in the season that I am and take the risk with God. I'm risking this morning taking a risk with God by preaching this because I know he's going to take me at my word and his word. And he's going to say to me, well, Robert, you said you've got to take risks. Well, are you ready? Well, Lord, you know I'm retired now. I, I did my bit. Uh, no, I haven't done my bit. Because God called me. And I belong to him for all eternity. So I'm still in that place where he can come and lay that claim on me. and Say, you're mine. Are you willing to take a risk with God? Now let me tell you a secret before I give you some pointers and principles here. When you take a risk with God, you're not really taking a risk. Because if God calls you to it, he'll see you through it. There's a, there's a saying for it. If he calls you to it, he'll see you through it. The problem is that we have to, nobody builds a house without counting the cost. We count the cost. The older we get, we know that it costs. We know that there's going to be a price to pay. Let me ask you, are you willing to pay the price? to get what God wants. You see, because there's not one of us sitting in the church today, in this building or our building or any other church, that God doesn't have a call on in our lives. You don't have to be in the pulpit, but you do have to be available to God when he wants to do something. And I want to tell you, when God wants to do something, he's not just going to raise up a Bill Johnson or somebody like that or a Billy Graham just so that everybody can see the superstars. And they are, and they're good, and they're needed. These apostles are needed in the kingdom. He looks at his church, wherever his people are, and wherever they are seeking his face and his presence. He has a plan and a purpose. He is going to use his church. So as, a, as, a, as an individual, you will need to take a risk. But as a body, you will need to. And it's going to come at those times when you're thinking, well, I don't know. I don't know whether I'm ready to go in that direction. Let me tell you, if God is ready to go in that direction, we need to be ready. Because when God is ready, he moves. And God does not take his time. We know God takes his time on some things. But when God is ready to do something, he does it. You can read it all through the scriptures. Suddenly, suddenly. God does it, comes along, and your life is going smoothly. You're in your comfort zone like I am behind this table here. You're in your comfort zone, and you're thinking, this is great. Isn't God good? And then God comes along, messes the whole thing up. For you, that is. Not for him. I don't believe God wants us in comfort. I've never been in one yet. When I think I am, that's when God changes me. I can tell you back in 1994, we built the building that we were in right now. And while we were building that church, my wife said to me, Robert, there's a revival going on in Toronto. You're the Toronto blessing. We need to go to Toronto. I said, Angela, I'm building a church. I said, if, if God wants to come along and do something, I'm, I'm quite hoping, but I'm building a church. I've got to put the, the, the we've got to get the, the cladding on the side and the roof on and the stucco done before the winter comes. 
so we carried on working on the church. And we moved into the church on uh, just before Christmas in 1994. Actually, we moved into the church building to start worshipping there. On January the 15th, 1995, I'm, I wake up on a Sunday morning about 4 o'clock. Uh, that's because God never slumbers or sleeps, and that's the time he had for me. And so, so he wakes me up at 4 in the morning. I, even if I'm not preaching, he wakes me up at 4 on a Sunday morning. I think he's gotten used to that habit with me. He doesn't know that I'm retired yet. I've got to... I'm, I'm working on a letter, but uh, anyway, I wake up four o'clock Sunday morning, and I my whole body is like electricity going through my head, my feet. Through the, I, I was surprised my wife was still asleep because I thought it was going through the whole bed. But I am just just tingling with this current flowing through me, uh, and Lord, I said, "What is this?" In fact. I thought I'd got to get out of bed and look, see if one of the lights had shorted out or something and the bed frame was alive or something like that. And the Holy Spirit said to me, I am coming to your church. And I thought, what about? God's coming to our church today. Well, he shows up every Sunday anyway, but he's coming to our church today. I knew what he meant. I'm coming in power today. So I woke my wife and said, God said he's coming. Church, I said, I'm tingling all over and it won't go away. There's electric currents going through me. So she got excited because she'd been asking for this for such a long time. She's out of bed like within half an hour getting ready for church and she never gets out of bed until it's time to go, basically. But so you can tell this was a God thing. And she, I usually have to say, Angela, we have to go. Now she was ready that morning and we went to church and we had a great time. It was just a great church like we normally have. So as we're walking home, because we lived across the street, she said, well, uh, I thought you said God was coming today. I said, well, we've got this evening service. That was in the days, the old days, when we had evening services as well. And I said, we've still got this evening service. Well, the evening, time to go to the evening service or pre-service before to prepare, and the worship team was going to prepare. Andrew and I were the first ones in the building, and we opened the door. As we opened the door, we fell just straight away. The presence of God was hanging like a It was so powerful. We actually almost, we didn't actually crawl, but we almost had to crawl into the sanctuary. And it just, as we moved into the sanctuary, it just got heavier and heavier and heavier. Well, the worship team came. And they had the same, sorry, they crawled to the platform. They, they, they got on the platform and started to practice and fell down laughing. They were like, this is incredible, the presence of God. Now I say this, because from that moment on, pandemonium came in the church. And for six weeks, I was unable to preach a message any of the services. If you know me, I'm a teacher, I'm a preacher, I'm a man of the word. I'm going to preach, because that's the most important thing, right? I want to preach the word. About six weeks into this situation, and I'll get to my point, I'm taking the risk here. I remember 
before I go on to my sixth week, I remember at the fifth week saying, God, everything was going on in the churches, people laughing, praying, crying. God was doing stuff all over the place. And I said, God, we have just reached the place of respectability in this community. And now look what you've done. That was the, I said that to the Lord. He changes them. God messes things up. He, 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 he likes us to have an agenda, but he likes to mess it up every now and then. Well, I had this agenda. So after the sixth week, I said to my wife, this morning, I am going to preach a word. I've got a word on my heart, and I am going to preach it. So don't you start anything, is what I said to my wife. Because she's a lightning rod, you know? She says, if I can start anything. I said, don't you start anything. In other words, don't you be the first one that falls on the floor or something like that. I'm going to preach. So we went over to church, and we're worshiping the Lord. And it's getting a bit noisy, and people are falling down. And it's, I'm going to preach today. I am getting control of this service, and I'm going to preach the word today. As it got, it got deeper and deeper, and the elder at the time that was leading the worship, I nodded to the brother that like to wind it up here. I want to get up and get ready for preaching. And as he's winding up, he usually takes up the offering, but he didn't. He said, oh, "Okay." And then he started to sing, "I surrender all." I'm thinking, no, 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 no. We don't want to surrender anything. That's just what I'm thinking. I surrender. And I'm thinking, oh, and then everybody starts singing, I surrender. And, then, and Sister Colleen here, next thing you know, she's on her face laughing on the floor. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness me. I'm going to preach this morning. That's what I'm going to do. So then one of the other ladies in the church came up to me. The pastor, I have a word for you. Will you receive it? Oh, sure, that's so she put her hand on my shoulder. She said, the Lord would say, and suddenly I went, bang, on my back. I never did know what the Lord said. Because I just went, I don't do that. See, I'm one of those people that plants my feet. I'm a, I'm a hunter. I know how to shoot high-powered rifles, you know, and not knock myself over. So I'm on my back. As I'm going down, I'm saying, I am going to preach this morning. This was true. As I'm going down, I, I'm on my back on the floor, and I try to get up. I could not move. I mean, I could move, but I couldn't get up. It was as if I got this huge suction or something that glued me to the floor. And I think, I'm going to Anyway, after about 20 minutes of me lying on the floor, saying, I'm going to preach this morning, I'm going to preach this morning, my wife kind of bends down and says, um, you've lost it. I think I'll take over. And I said to her, I'm going to preach this morning. <laughs> Isn't that right? So I tried to get up and I couldn't move. So the whole service goes on for another hour or whatever it was. And I'm lying on the floor. I'm going to preach this morning. I'm going to preach this morning. I don't know how long it went on for. And then I had this thought. God, do you want to say anything to me? Duh. And this Holy Spirit just said, Robert, I have blessed the work of your hands for the last 15 years. So I show up in your meetings, do, do everything. He says, now will you let me do what I need to do with my hands? And I said, yes, Lord. You know what? 
I was able to get up. I got up. And from that day on, I never missed preaching. Isn't that strange? God had to get a hold of me because I had gotten into a pattern of respectable Christianity. I wanted revival, but I didn't want it that way. And I really didn't want it to to disorganize my structure of the church. But then God reminded me it was his church, not my church. Always knew that, always believed it. But, you know, I had a little bit of control in me as well. God wanted to release our church. And it meant he had had to take risks. I had to step out of my pastoral comfort zone. And I had to, I can remember my daughter leading the worship one time on the platform. And it was just going what little while at that point in time. She says, Dad, I don't know how to follow this. I said, neither do I. Let's just see what God will do. Risk-taking is important. Risk-taking means that you're going to bring your friends to the church and something's going to happen like that. And you're going to think, oh, God, what are they thinking? They're not ready for this yet. I've learned one thing for sure. If God's in it, the people that are ready are ready to receive from God because God does what he wants to do. Risk-taking for God. Whether he calls you to the mission field, whatever he calls you to do, there's an element of faith and risk involved. And you know why it's risk? Because there is a possibility that you could lose something. There's a possibility you might have to lay something down. Get back to the Scriptures before I get past my time here. Simple Scripture that I read you, you all know it there. Matthew 24. Jesus is walking towards them in the storm. See, they're afraid in the boat. The disciples are. And Jesus said, it's not a ghost. It's me. It's Jesus. And here's Peter. Bold Peter. I think Peter was just kind of not thinking about what he was going to say. If that's you, Jesus. Yeah, right. Sure. Nobody can walk on water. If that's you, then tell me to come to you. Okay, come. I can't imagine what went through his mind at that point in time. But he had to take a risk. If it was Jesus, he had to get out of the boat. And some of us are sitting in boats. Some of us are rocking in the boat because the storms are blown, but we feel safe in the boat. I want to tell you something about boats and what that scripture says to me. I don't think Jesus ever wants us back in the boat again, spiritually speaking. I think he wants us to get out of the boat and onto the water and take a risk with him. Keep our eyes on him and follow him wherever he will go and wherever he leads. I've said those words to him many times in my life. Lord, I'll follow you wherever you want. And then he comes along and asks me something. I said, really, I don't, I don't want to go there. Can we go over here? I'm like Jonah, that wants, you know, where God called him to go down to Nineveh, and he went off to Tarshish instead. Beloved, God wants us to get out of our boat and into that place where we are willing to risk it all on the word of God. 
That's what it's going to take to reach Cromwell, to reach this part of British Columbia, to reach this region, to reach our nation of Canada. It takes people that are willing to put in their oar, or should say get out of their boat and onto the water with God. Because we're not traveling uh, with landmarks here. We're traveling without landmarks. We're listening to the Holy Spirit. We're flowing where he wants us to go. And I'm not telling you to be wild for wild's sake or reckless. I'm telling you to take a risk with God. Because if God calls you to it, he will see you through it. Can I have 10 minutes? I want to give you some principles because I'm a very principled kind of guy. I always give points. I never point, never a pointless message. I always say to people so. But I'd like to give you some practical stuff that you can take home. So if you're writing it down, um, then please do that. If you're not taking notes, make a note of that farther. They're not taking notes. so Because I want you to remember some things. It's not about just, well, he says we've got to take risks. What does that mean? Well, I'll give you some things here, that, principles that have been valuable in my life. And I go over these things again and again and again when God is putting me in situations where he doesn't want me to go. So the first thing is this. Know that God will ask you to take risks. It's, it's, it's not if, it's when. And he will come at the most inopportune times and ask you to take risks. What is your response? That's what we have to do. We hear that. I know that God's going to ask me to take some more risks. He hasn't asked me to take, well, he did. He asked me to come to Cranbrook. I guess that's taking a risk, isn't it? Actually, the biggest risk was Jeff inviting me, but uh, <laughs> that was for you guys. <laughs> God will ask you to take risks. And we just said that Peter got out of the boat. Uh, in Romans 8.31, in the New Living Translated, it says, what shall we say about such wonderful things as that if God is for us, who can be against us? So when we're asked to take a risk, we need to remember that scripture. If God's in it or God's calling me to it, he will see me through it. He's calling me to take a risk, but he's not going to leave me on my own. Second thing, God, or so, so should I say, Know that God never asks a person to do anything that he's not already made provision for. In other words, when God called us from England to Canada, he had already made provision for us. I could tell you story after story about how God had paved the way for us to come to Canada. Miraculous things just happened. Doors began to open. As we came, as we were obedient, as we got out of our boat and left our family and our friends of all those years and brought our children, five suitcases, two kids, and $3,000 in our pocket. That's all we had to our name when we came. And we came to Al Cochrane, Alberta, and we've never been out of that town. We have lots of times, but you know what I mean. We lived there, and God called us there. So he always goes before you. In Joshua chapter 1, he says, every place on the soul where the sole of your foot treads, I've given it to you. This is what he said to Joshua. You can read in Joshua chapter 1. I don't have time to read it all today. You can see that God went before them. God had prepared the promised land. So God has always made a place. So when you're thinking that this is a risk, know that God is not asking you to do anything 
that he has not made provision for. If God orders it, he pays for it. You might have to do your part. You might have to do your little uh, dance of, God, are you really there in the midst of the situation that you're in, like Peter did when he got out of the boat and walked on water. But God has made provision. Jesus made provision for Peter. He wasn't going to let him sink. Number three, know that God has never failed one person who put their trust in him. Not one person. Joshua 1.5, no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail or forsake you. You put your name in there, not Joshua. Will not forsake you. Uh, that, what, what number was that? Number three, four. Know that God will be with you even if there's a trial. Beloved, it's not if there's a trial. When God calls us to take risks, that's the part of faith that we don't like. That's the part because there's the unknown. But when the trial comes, Matthew 28, 20, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He will be with you. So when he calls you, and when he calls you out and you step out of your boat, he will be alongside of you all of the way. You may have to seek him and find him, but he never goes away, never leaves you or forsakes you. Um, number five, is that the next one? My numbers have all gone wrong on my computer. There you go. It shows how technologically advanced I am. Know that God has given you what you need. In other words, you might feel the most inadequate person on the face of the earth. God has given you what you need. God has equipped you. I can remember as a young man in ministry thinking, God, I don't know whether I can do this. I'm not ready. I'm not prepared for this. I'm but God is. All I have to do is prepare my heart and seek his face. So he's given me all that I need, the gifting that I need, whatever it is that I need to do what he's calling me to do, I can do it. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I don't know these numbers. Just write the next one down because they're all A-wire. Computers do that. It's got demons, you know. That's the problem. Know that at the end of it all, of taking risks, you will have a reward. Because God is a rewarder of faith. Hebrews 11.6. Those who, who come to him must believe in him and believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Know this, the next one, whatever number it is. I've got number five. No, no, I'm not there. Know that God will ask you to do things you've never done before. God, if you can do it, it's probably not God. When God asks you to do something, you know it's beyond what you think you can do, what you've never done before. Find that when uh, the burning bush with Moses, when, when he was called, he was shepherding sheep. <laughs> he had to go and lead the people of Israel uh, and uh, challenge Pharaoh. Uh, the next point, know that he will ask you to go where you have never been before. So you've never done th the things you've never done before, now where you've never been before. God has taken us to some places in the world, beloved, that I want to tell you have been very, very difficult to be in. Uh, many, many times. He's took us to places where we would not choose to go. 
that God has always met us there and always given us the grace and always been with us. Know that he will take you beyond what you're comfortable with at any time. God keeps me outside of my comfort zone even now. I want to tell you, and I tell, bear, bear my soul here. If, if, I, I found some, when we had the conference there last week, there were some things going on that I'm thinking, oh, God, I'm not comfortable right at this moment. Well, that's okay. Didn't have to be because I'm not the pastor anymore, so that's good. It was all God. I'm not saying there's anything wrong. I'm saying it takes me outside of my comfort zone. There are places God puts me in that I really don't want to be in at times. Know that, God, that you will experience doubt, apprehension, challenge, and fear. You'll experience all of those things when you take your step back. Expect them. Know that God will empower you, though, with the Holy Spirit. He's the helper, the paraclete, the one who comes alongside to help us along and do God's work. And finally, which is point number 10 for me, I don't know what it is for you, probably 15 by now. Know that the outcome of taking a risk always produces God's approval and his blessing. Always, always brings us into blessing. I want to read something to you as I finish and close this message this morning. And it was given to me, I think Jeff will know who this is, uh, by a dear sister by the name of Kelly Smales. Know Kelly? She was a YWAMer for years and being in YWAM. And one day she was in our church and she was, was visiting like she had done a number of times. And she put this into my hand. She says, and she didn't author this, by the way. It's by an unknown author. She says, I was praying this morning, and God asked me to give this to you. I don't know why. She says, but he asked me to give it to you. And the point she gave this to me, I was going through some real challenges with the church, and, and, and things were going on. I, I, we'd taken risks for God, and things were opposite to, to what I thought, always looking like it wasn't God. And this is what it says, and I think this will help you. I've got it actually uh, scotch taped into the front of my Bible because I read it lots here, right alongside the prayer of J. Bez, actually. And it's at the top. It says, Robert, the will of God. The will of God will never take you where the grace of God cannot keep you, where the arms of God cannot support you, where the riches of God cannot supply your needs, where the power of God cannot endow you. The will of God will never take you where the Spirit of God cannot work through you, where the wisdom of God cannot teach you, where the army of God cannot protect you, and where the hands of God cannot mold you. The will of God will never take you where the love of God cannot unfold you, where the mercies of God cannot sustain you, where the peace of God cannot calm your fears, where the authority of God cannot overrule for you. The will of God will never take you where the comfort of God cannot dry your tears, where the word of God cannot feed you, where the miracles of God cannot be done for you, and where the omnipresence of God cannot find you. The will of God will never take you where faith will forsake you. 
know that everything happens for a purpose. We may not see the wisdom of it all. Now, it now, but trust and believe in the Lord that everything will be for the best. That gives me encouragement many, many times as I read that. So when I'm telling you to take risks, I'm not telling you to take risks. I'm telling you to go with God. It will be risky. You will feel the risk. You will feel the challenge. But God is always faithful. He remains faithful, and he will never leave us. Amen. Let's just put a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for this word. Thank you, Lord, for what you put upon my heart. And I pray, God, for the seed of this word. I pray, Lord, that you will encourage my brothers and sisters with what I preach this morning. I pray, God, that they will overcome every fear, every apprehension, and they will get out of their boat, Lord, when you're asking them to do it. Father, that they will have confidence in you and that they will put their eyes on Jesus like Peter did when he got out of the boat. And Father, even though they know they can't walk on water, they know that you can. Father, that you would give them courage. Give them faith. Increase their faith. Give them a sense of your presence, your hand upon all that you ask them to do. Commit this word to you, Lord. May it bear fruit in every life in this place. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you, my brother. Thanks for listening to our Sermon of the Week. Our desire is that you will be changed by the love of the Father and the power of his presence. For more information about House of Hope, visit us at www.ihope.today.